Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that that does happen, and it still happens. It's not something that doesn't happen. But yeah, I did think, given the very small cast of this film, the especially the the early scene where he pulls that guy in the toilet, etc. Yeah, I mean, you don't know the backstory there, how he met him, whether they know each other, but it, it is a bit like, oh wow, that's that's Convenient. quite fortunate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, he's got a more active sex life than I do. Like. <laughs> Hello film fans, you've reached episode 64 of Flixwatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flixwatcher podcast. Today we are joined as always by Helen. Hello. And we have Harry. Hello. And John. Hello. <laughs> uh, from Beyond the Boxer. And we're going to be looking at and reviewing God's Own Country. This episode of Flixwatcher pod is brought to you by the Trey Headphone from Studio. It's a combination of high polished metal and matte surfaces embodying the vision of Scandinavian design. You can get 15% off any order if you use the code flixwatcher.com. Visit their website, studio.com. I hope you enjoyed the show, guys. Remember, please visit us online at flixwatcher.tv. Come to our Twitter account at flixwatcherpod and please go to iTunes, subscribe and review. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Hello and welcome to Flix Watcher podcast. Today our guests are Harry and John. If you would like to tell our lovely listeners about the podcast that you do together. Sure, so we are Beyond the Box Sets and on our podcast we take classic standalone movies that have never had a sequel such as Titanic, Gladiator, etc. And then each week we watch the film and then we come together and compete to come up with the most ridiculous sequel ideas. Well, we don't compete. We don't compete necessarily, but we both come, come up with sequels. And, and they're not always ridiculous. Sometimes we go dead serious. Yeah, and sometimes it's honestly come up with sequels that should be made. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one, one of these days, this is going to be our meal ticket. But yeah, every week we will come up with sequel, prequel or spin-off ideas for films that don't have any. So... Yeah, maybe like Titanic, a stoner comedy. Or, that was a deadly serious idea. Yeah, or Gladiator the Musical. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was deadly serious. <laughs> also deadly serious, yeah. yeah. Hans Zimmer could come back still with a score and uh, mm-hmm. get Elton John to write the lyrics. Yeah, I'd yeah. watch that. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting thought experiment sometimes in looking at films that do kind of stand alone, often don't have much scope for a sequel or, for, mm. or maybe didn't have a sequel because they bombed or just generally don't have the scope there. And it's just an interesting thought experiment to kind of think about, you know, where could we go with this? Well, yeah. I think we're at a kind of an interesting time because now we're getting a lot of films that, um, I mean, we just it's just been announced that Top Gun 2 is coming out mm-hmm. 30 years after the fact. At least, at least 30 years? Long? Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of thinking, 
apart from money why are you guys doing this and um are you, are you guys <laughs> yeah oh, right yeah <laughs> i thought you meant the top gun people but uh... no the top gun people yeah I'm, I'm i'm not a massive fan of sequels if i'm honest are you not not really i like a continuation of a story if it's if it seems to yeah. like the matrix didn't seem to deserve, that didn't need to happen yeah. but when it's things like the star wars initial star wars trilogy then i'm like yeah some of those well, didn't need to happen sometimes either. sometimes it can be different like i, I like a, a new story being told so that's kind of a sequel it's, say the new jumanji for example mm. it's got barely any ties to the original um but a few a few ties but is a really great fun film yeah um but then sometimes it could be done awful like if you look at the the recent star wars film solo um, not a fan. No, not a, it's well. I mean, it's it's all right. It's a good it's a good bit of fun, but it's my god, the backlash. Cynical. Yeah, <laughs> and you know the original film still exists as well. I, I'm not not a big fan of Sacred Calf. So when you do get people like, oh no, Ghostbusters, you've ruined my childhood. It's like you can still go watch that original film. Yeah, it, it, nothing's been ruined. You know, sometimes obviously if you betray the fundamental characters, sometimes that's a little bit annoying. But uh, you know, you can still just pretend it doesn't exist at the end of the day. I think I'm always happy to if I if there's characters I enjoyed on mm. screen, I'm always happy to spend more time with them if the story makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when things seem contrived, uh, I did enjoy Solo, but I didn't think it needed to be done in any way, any way, shape, or form. And I think it's the weakest of the non-prequel films. Yeah. Well, let's not get too much into a Star Wars chat because yeah, we sure. could uh... we can go there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so we this is like the opposite of Star Wars, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's not really many uh, comparisons we could make to... Uh, did you miss the lightsaber fight halfway through this film? Oh, I did do, actually. <laughs> I mean, this film was marketed as the opposite Star Wars. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Uh, we, should say, uh, we should say what this film is. God's Own Country. Yeah. Yes. And you chose it, John. I did choose this film, yes. Yeah. Can you, get us, can you tell us uh, why you chose it and like a two-minute synopsis? Sure. So this, I chose this film for several reasons. This film was shot in and around West Yorkshire, which, which is, is where we are from. We're a proud Yorkshire podcast. We're Leeds-based. Well, y- York- Yorkshire, is, Yorkshire is God's own country. That's... It is. Well, hence the title, yeah. yeah. I thought that was Manchester. No, it's no. Yorkshire. Okay. It is Yorkshire. Yorkshire represent. You know it. You know it's Yorkshire. Stop teasing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought it'd be good to kind of represent a film that was shot in kind of our local area and yeah. is a really nice showcase for what Yorkshire looks like. Can I just slightly interject here? One of the things that made me laugh funnest in this film is when he wants to get away to Bradford for a night out. Yeah. I, I was about to say the same. Yeah. It's like it was his dream. Yeah. <laughs> like his life goal. Like I finally want to get away from his farm and just go to Bradford. Yeah. Like Bradford, really? <laughs> yeah, funny but also kind of slightly poignant. Yeah. But, uh, so that was one reason and another reason I chose this film is that I've been wanting to talk about this film for a while actually. Mm. Um, so I thought hijack your show to do it. Gosh, that's what people come here with an agenda. Yeah, I do have an agenda. <laughs> because this film for me is, did you see a film last year called Call Me By Your Name? Yes. So what did you think of it? Briefly, obviously. Um, I saw, I, I didn't buy into the relationship that mm, much. Totally, yeah. Same. Yeah, I thought that film had a lot of positive qualities. I thought it was quite beautiful in places, but yeah, it had a, it had a lot of problems with it. And I, I really feel like God's Own Country didn't get half the attention. It came out around the same time. Did probably didn't get an iota of the attention. Like no Oscars came for this, but very comparatively quite little scene. So I'd like to kind of flag it a little bit because I think this film does a similar-ish story to Call Me By Your Name, but so much better. Just it's better in every way. Right. It's got a lot of Brokeback Mountain in it as well. Yes, it is kind of Brokeback Mountain. For very obvious reasons. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so as t- in terms of synopsis, so this film is set in around the Yorkshire area. It stars, I've forgotten both the actors' names. Um, Josh O'Connor. It stars Josh O'Connor. And, and is Alec? Alec? Is and Alec. Alec. And Alec, the, yeah, a Romanian, a Romanian actor called Alec. Um, and so Josh O'Connor plays a, a, a farmer. He works on a, far, a rem- kind of a remote kind of cattle farm. 
And he has, a, as we mentioned with the Pope dream of going to Bradford, he has a very kind of small, <laughs> he has a very small existence. He just, his whole life is just working on the farm and then going down to his local pub and getting absolutely plastered. Uh, he's gay, um, which is a, a kind of very much established immediately in the film. It's not, it's not a coming out story particularly. Mm. Um, he's gay and he spends a lot, of, he seems to have no, no serious relationships, but kind of casual anonymous sex quite often. Like there's a scene quite early on where he has sex in a public toilet. Yeah. I think it is. Um, so yeah, and he's just kind of quite an unhappy person generally, quite self-destructive. And then his father who owns the farm has had a stroke and is kind of quite weak. And it's just him and his father and his grandmother. Uh, and so then the they hire a Romanian worker to come and work on the farm to help them out during the lambing season. And this is this character, Georgie. Is it Giorgio? Georgie? Georgie. Georgie, yeah. Georgie. Forgive my terrible Romanian pronunciation. But he comes to the far- work on the farm with him and they kind of strike up a relationship, basically. It's, it's very tender and, um, well, tender in places um, and very kind of un- understated. It's not a very dramatic, melodramatic kind of film. Mm. So, and, and that's kind of all the plot there is. There's not a whole lot of plot to it, but I just find it to be a very lovely little character study. We're beautifully shot, beautifully acted. And as I say, just in terms of these kinds of films... One thing I really pre- appreciated about this is the fact that when I watched Coming By Your Name, I was really disappointed by the way it treated the sex scenes. Right. Because it's a film about sex, very much like this is in many ways. It's a film about sexuality. And there are several scenes. The, the main character played by Timothy Chalamet in that film, who yeah. is fantastic, uh, Elio. He is bisexual in the film. He has sex with both men and women throughout the course of the film. And there's two scenes in which she has sex with a woman. I think the character's called Marzio. And she, basically those scenes are relatively explicit. Like it's not, you know, it's not really erotic, but it's, you know, you basically do see him, you know, you see her fully naked. You see them having improper intercourse. You see him go down on her at one point. And then when he finally has sex with a male character in the film, it just pans away to a tree. Right. And I found that for that kind of film, it's not that I need to see like full frontal, you know, nudity in every film about, you know, romance but because they'd already established that they, they were going to show eroticism that they chose to do that made me really really quite angry because it that's was quite a, that's, a, that's an interesting point actually yeah so i really appreciate with this film is that it goes there it's a film about two gay men or two mm-hmm. men who are having a sexual relationship and it shows it and it's not that i appreciate that because oh you know that's a bit you know i don't on a, like a you know, all that's a bit titillating i just found it really refreshing and powerful to actually because you never see that so again that, that's kind of one of the main reasons i wanted to kind of just recommend this film if, if call me by your name disappointed you a little bit give this a try because it's on netflix and it's really nice <laughs> what are your thoughts harry i really enjoyed this yeah um well actually apart from the first maybe 15 20 minutes because i watched this a couple of days ago uh, in the morning i was eating breakfast um and i put this film on <laughs> not a great time to watch this film um, weirdly having spaghetti for breakfast uh and my god there is a there are a lot of very displeasing things on screen um mainly with farm animals and Oh God! Long, long <laughs> gloves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, which I'm not that unused to. Like, I'm, I'm from Mid Wales, which is a farming area. Um, I'm used to seeing that sort of stuff, but just I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't expecting any of that in that kind of detail. Yeah, there are some quite explicit uh, scenes of the realities of farming. So you do see the the main character, the Joshua Connor, the Joshua Connor character, stick his hand up a, a cow's bum at one point. There's also some quite explicit scenes with some the birthing of lambs, etc. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, I believe they really did that. The two actors did actually learn. Yeah. They spent time on a farm and really learned how to do all those things. So they're, they're actually really happening, which I think is really interesting. I think I think it's fantastic, though. I used to love um, All Creatures Great and Small as mm. a kid growing up. Um, and I think it was great that they did that and it looked 
I'm glad you said that they, that they actually learned how to do that because it just did look real. Yeah. And there's one scene where... I didn't know. I looked away. Oh, you looked away. <laughs> was, was it just squeamish or just that time of the day? That time of the day. You need with, to build with, up your, your, your with, with my spaghetti in front of me that I really wanted to eat. Yeah, well, too much like intestines. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's um, what happens when you have spaghetti for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Sort it? your life out, Harry. God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a mess. <laughs> so you have... Um, there's one scene which I thought was excellent. And I just learned, literally like a few days ago, I learned about how... This is this being um, a method that they use, but they had a a, 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 a lamb that had been born quite early on in the film who mm-hmm. was rejected by this mother, uh, or the mother's dead. I can't remember what the, the crack was exactly. So that that lamb was by itself, and then later on in the film, a second lamb was born, but it was, it was a still it was still built, it was still mm-hmm. And so what they did was cut the skin off the dead one. And put it on the on the makes it a little coat, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, make give it coat. So it had the set. Like, um, I put it on the on the runt on the isolated lamb. Yeah. So then it was accepted by the the mother who just given birth to the dead, dead to the dead sheep, and that's that scene then was just like, fuck, that's brilliant. Yeah. For like for a while, it was really gory and disgusting, mm. and then as soon as they as soon as they put it on the lamb, I was like, oh, it's got a little coat. That's really yeah. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just say you describe it as they put on they make it a little coat. It makes it sound a lot cuter than it actually is because yeah. you see a lamb getting. <laughs> Skinned, like it's very Skinned, the visceral. legs are broken off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a really good part of the, of the story. Of the, yeah, uh, it's a real insight into a community that a lot of people don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts, Helen? I loved it. I you when it came onto Netflix, um, I was sort of like, oh my god, it's on there. I need to watch it now. So I watched it before you oh, suggested great. it. And um, when you mentioned it as a choice, I was like, excellent, because um, <laughs> I agree with you. I haven't seen Call You Back, Call You. Call, call me, me by, call your, me name. by your name. I haven't seen that yet. I would like to, um, but yeah, I, I just think this is a really beautiful film, and it's very it feels very real, and um, I really like that it's kind of set away from the modern world as well, yeah. and that they're, they're kind of isolated, um, looking after the sheep and everything. But the performances in it are great. It looks wonderful. Um, it's a really great film. I think um, Simon Renshaw, who's um, one of the Pitch House podcast guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he said this was his favorite. This come out this year. This came out last, last year, year, I believe. Yeah. yeah. He said, um, yeah, he was like Kobe. This is one. This is my favorite film of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, yeah, I was looking forward to watching it. I think it's a great film. Um, one question we asked uh, with Helen and I in the same um, quiz team, and one of our members, Gareth, was telling us about this. Was talking about this film as well, and I was just trying to think about. I want to show one of the notes I gave to you guys was what what kind of romance films are there that aren't rom com films? Mm-hmm. And I I find it, I struggle to think of that apart from recently Call Me by Your Name and Moonlight, mm-hmm. which aren't which are both gay uh, romance films. I can't mm-hmm. think of a straight one or the straight lesbian one. Or maybe uh, Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah, I can't think of a romantic film that I feel is like uh, that I actually like. Uh huh. Have you uh, seen uh, Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset trilogy? That's a good point. Actually. They yeah. are love beautiful films. I love, and they are, I love them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Amour as well. I haven't seen Amour. I'm scared to. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's really lovely. Mm-hmm. Is that that horribly depressing French one? I mean, it is. Uh, yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking about like romance as like the birth of a romance rather than the the horrible tragic end of a romance. But yeah, I'm sure. It, it is a romantic film. Yeah. So. And yeah. it's not a comedy. It's not definitely, no, it's not, decidedly heard, yeah. not a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Haneke one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so it seems like in in films, any kind of romance is most of it is, is with some laugh a minute. Yeah, you don't often see. You know what I mean? I think it is mostly in the realm of the LGBT films now yeah. because they're 
it feels like there's because there isn't much of a story here. Like, so yeah. I think if you saw if this was a story about a lonely farmer falling in love with a woman, you might be like, well, why am I watching this? Like, it, it, it's mm. it's you could do it like you could do it really well because I think the Before Sunrise, like the first one in particular, yeah. is just a man and a woman falling in love in a strange city, and there isn't much plot to it, nothing much happens, but it is really beautiful yeah. and moving. So it can absolutely be done. But yeah, I think a lot of times when you're selling a romance film now, it is normally quite a fluffy comedy rather than a serious like you know piece like this i think yeah it's doing a disservice to just how people are to love yeah disservice <laughs> <laughs> to love yeah coming to cinema soon yeah <laughs> um so when did you guys watch this first was it when it first came to netflix or did you guys see it in the cinema the first time i saw it when it came well shortly after it came out i actually missed it in the cinema but i saw it i watched it when it came out on dvd mm. which was before it came to netflix I actually bought it on dvd because i wanted to support a local film and then like the week a week later it was on the... netflix yeah <laughs> um a week later, it was on Netflix for free. So I was like, oh, you were, 15 quid. I'll never see it again. Yeah, but exactly. I'm happy that the, the guy, he was a local guy, got my money and, you know, the, the, to support a film that I really do want to kind of shout from the rooftops about because I found it really inspiring. And again, just come, I don't want to repeat, repeat the same notes, but coming after Call Me By Your Name and having so many disappointments with that, just, just it came, came at just the right time when I, that film was still fresh in my mind. And I was like, this is what these kind of films can be mm. and should be. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, I watched it for the first time last week mm-hmm. and, uh, like, like I said, it was really great. Mm-hmm. I was engaged from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Oh, going straight to the scoring system. Yeah, wait, 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 wait to get to the scores. <laughs> I mean, I, I really like the fact that um, Johnny character in there, he's a bit of a dick. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, and you do actually see his journey for real because it's not kind of like a, a shining light moment. He kind of grows and learns and mm. everything. So I, I just think it's a really kind of honest and normal portrayal of any kind of relationship really mm. at what point do you think i mean this is part of the point i was making that i have i seem to have a kind of a a tin ear for romance mm-hmm. generally um but at what point in this film do you feel that they had that first connection because it's the first time they're intimate with each other john is coming out of the shed uh where they're sleeping during lambing season mm-hmm. it's, it's very leery and it's clear kind of what he wants yeah, yeah, yeah but i didn't really kind of see the point that led up to that which which set up for Georgia that he was interested in in uh, Johnny as well. Mm-hmm. Was that was there just a subtlety thing kind of built up, or was there? There were there were some bits like there was the bit where, um, at the at the same shed, I think that he calls him Drippo. Yeah, and uh, so then I'm sorry, I'm forgetting all the names. Uh, so, so then the other guy runs over to him, pins him to the ground, and just like, don't call me that, but yeah. that. I know what I you're could, doing. I could really feel the heat there. At that, at that scene yeah. There's definitely something going on between these two, mm-hmm. um, even if it is very sort of aggressive at, at this moment. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely building to something. Because um, to the viewers, we have uh, we have the picture wall, and to the right is that scene that you yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and that, that's the only scene I thought that alluded to any kind of interaction before beforehand, mm-hmm. because it seemed, like I said, Helen said John is a bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a bit not aggressive he's a bit of a dick this and is John the character not yeah, me yeah, yeah exactly sorry, yeah. <laughs> just to point out John sat to my right is very aggressive um, <laughs> um, but before that he was calling him Jippo calling him yeah, all the things that he didn't want to be called um, yeah. and you you, guess, you get the idea that he's just a very angry kind of person and he feels trapped mm. he can't hang he would I think he's intelligent and he probably would go to university with his friends yeah. uh, if he was allowed to, if he was in a different situation, but he mm. kind of feels trapped by the fact that he's on the farm, so he has to do his duty and he has to do even more of the duty because his dad 
um, is very ill and yeah. also his mum isn't around and he doesn't have any other brothers and sisters so it's really all on his shoulders mm-hmm. so he's kind of fighting out against that kind of attitude yeah but to return to your point about where where the kind of the romance starts I think a lot of this film is so much about what isn't said and about mm. um, kind of communication and how people and how not the, the characters really struggle to communicate with each other and how much is communicated in so little dialogue because again, to, to keep comparing it to Call Me By Your Name, which is a good film, I don't hate that film, but, but that film's like the opposite of this in some ways because the characters spend all their time talking about how they feel and it's all very high flow and it comes from a place of real intellectual and uh, financial privilege. Whereas in this film, yeah, the, there's the language barrier, the fact that even though Georgie speaks English, obviously he's not the most fl- the most fluent and also John isn't particularly eloquent. eloquent either. So there's that between them and there's the fact that John is obviously so... Not sexually repressed. I feel like one thing I appreciate is he's. You'd, I never got the sense that he was ashamed or struggling with being gay. I think he was very much this is who I am. Whether or not his parent, his dad, and his grandma knew particularly, but in himself, he he was very straightforward on who he was. Um, but he just can't communicate things because he's he's, he's very kind of repressed in a voice. He's emotionally mm-hmm. repressed. He's in this very emotionally repressive environment, so he really struggles to articulate what he feels, and so often it only comes out in bursts of anger or in like anonymous sex or just or just as you say like leering on someone just yeah. like walking up to him while he's taking a piss and just looking at you know looking him up and down and that's that's his only way of communicating so much of this film is said through looks like meaningful glances and like the gentlest touches so it's right after he um he meets the guy in the in the toilet it's not clear whether they've known each other beforehand mm-hmm, it seems yeah. like maybe there's something in the past has happened but the guy he has sex with comes out as, he, as John's getting into the car mm-hmm. he's like mate I had a really good time let's let's go for a drink and John's just like no uh, good Yorkshire no, accent there no I'm not and then he just shuts the door and drives off and yeah. I thought that, that kind of set his character up totally yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. a minute before he's having sex with him may or may not know him, but it's you know yeah. it's just rampant passion and then the next minute it's like I dude I can't I don't want this. Get out, yeah. Yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. 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 Mm. But it's not, it, also the relationship he has with his father is really, really interesting in mm. this film. Yeah. I find that to be really powerful. Like, so did you guys think that his father and grandmother actually knew that he was gay or not? I think it was she, grandmother. She does because yeah. she, she works it out. Yeah. She finds a condom. Yeah. Well, I feel like that was the moment where she found out and then that's when the emotions of everything that's going suddenly hit her. Yeah. And so, it seemed like she wasn't okay with it, but then she didn't seem to bring it up massively. Well, doesn't uh, she uh, help him to, fa- she, help she, him to yeah. find her at the end? She says yeah, to go yeah, and she get does. him. So she, she, yeah, because she has a bit of an arc there, doesn't she? Cause, yeah. Because, like, she... she the, ne- the next interaction she has with him after finding a condom is to say, you know that he's here to work, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So as in to say, don't do that. Yeah. But then, yeah, I guess she comes around. Yeah, I think it is. It's we from, don't really see that. But she, yeah. uh, this is, she comes around... I think in the strong point because she her son has just had another stroke and mm-hmm. she's seen the reason she thinks the reason or believes the reason that he's had another stroke is because he's under so much pressure and now mm-hmm. Johnny's going through that and she's she can't bear to see that happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so it's yeah, it's definitely powerful. Yeah. And I found that the, the last conversation he has with his father really, really moving. So the the father has a second stroke midway through the film and mm-hmm. is really like debilitated, like can barely speak and can't walk anymore. So and then they have this, they, they have a very fractious relationship anyway, because the father really wants him to kind of commit to the farm and work hard. And mm. he really resents the fact that it's all on his shoulders and it means that he can't go go away to Bradford, you know, or wherever he wants to go. <laughs> Follow his dreams. Yeah, he can't, exactly. Um, and yeah, and then, so not to spoil the plot of the film, but then- at, at, no, We can spoil. We can spoil, cool. So George, uh, George and um, John have a fight at one point and George leaves, George leaves. 
And then there's a scene with the father where John says to the father character, I need to go and get him. And the father kind of says something like, makes you happy. Does he make you happy? You know, it's done you, it's done you good. He actually says it's done you good. And then he gives him his blessing. So you do get the sense that even though they're not having the full conversation, like mm-hmm. he does, he does know, and he's, he's okay with it, which I thought, again, I thought it was refreshing to not have to have the big melodramatic coming out scene where he has to like, you know, because it, that wouldn't be true to these kind of characters. They don't talk about their feelings that much. It's just, it's acknowledged and then they make peace with it. And then that's all it takes. Like, I think the, cause Johnny says in return to him, you know, I need to do it my way. Yeah. I think just to further kind of iterate the point, but not making it not mm-hmm. making it too um, obvious as to what they're what they're insinuating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about the general kind of area that they're in? Because um, it seems like a place that I wouldn't say repressed, but if he was openly gay, mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't be seen as um, someone that people want to hang around with. Apart, sure. but also the fact that the the remaining guys there, he's mm-hmm. obviously treated with treated with disrespect when they go to the pub as well. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting because um, there is a, there is a scene where they're at the pub when they're talking quite. I know I, I thought it, it, for a quiet pub they're talking quite openly about like living together and stuff. And I thought if anyone was listening to the conversation, they might. But nobody seems to like have an issue with that. And there is a scene early on where you see one of his friends who's gone to university who kind of obviously does know he's gay and kind of tries to set him up with this other guy who yeah. she knows. Uh, but then, yeah, it's what. But the, all of the the bigotry in the film is really reserved for the Romanian for being Romanian. Like when he when the guy is flicking beer at him and he responds by, you know, does, does he grab his hand, his, his face, or he slams yeah. his yeah, head down? Yeah. And then the woman turfs him out and calls him like you rotten little animal or something really horrible. And mm. yeah, so yeah, a lot of it seems to come more from a place of xenophobia than from the homophobia. Isn't really it doesn't really beat you over the head with it. It's more like unspoken in many ways. I think there might still be an, under, an undercurrent of... Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, it's so interesting because, you know, living in Leeds, which is, a, you know, it's a very young, it's a very studenty city, and, I, you know, it's a very metropolitan place, and I've been fortunate to not really have to deal with a lot of homophobia in my life, et cetera. But, and also to be able to, like, be, to live my life, to not be tied down to, you know, looking after parents and farms. Mm. And these very, like, isolated, almost impoverished communities, they're so close to us, but we don't really see them. So I really appreciated that window into it. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, I, was, I was just going to say as well in terms of the area though it was quite interesting to watch almost distracting in places because this is filmed in uh, Haworth and um, parts of it but filmed in Ilkley as well and Otley which are all places that I know very well because they're all really beautiful parts of Yorkshire it was sometimes a bit distracting I'd be watching like I, I, you know them having pretty hot sex you know on, on, a, on a hillside like, oh this is pretty cool have I done that walk like, <laughs> <laughs> I recognise that stone <laughs> I mean, a lot of it really looks like, especially like some of the opening scenes, looked almost exactly like with Nail and I. Yes, I think they've. Probably Have you ever seen, seen that film? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I can't yeah. believe. Right, so you know some old school decent films, but you don't know who Jennifer Lopez is. That's the. Uh... <laughs> well, the thing is, we've done with Nail and I in the podcast. Oh, okay. Po- oh, sure. But beyond the box, it is half film podcast, half me enforcing a film education on Harry. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you've been on episode seventy. I've probably watched about seventy films in my life. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is there anything else to talk about before going to the scores? Um, I mean, one thing I sort of did find quite funny because they're obviously quite an isolated part where they are. There'd be rather a lot of gay people in that very, very small I village. Did, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like, that's quite surprising. There's that many gay people who are openly gay and in that very, very small area. But obviously that's just there for to set the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 the, the, there's no way that he wouldn't have had a moment in a bathroom where he sort of gives that look of just like, hmm? Mm-hmm. And then somebody would just punch him. Yeah, totally. It, given it's established he's not using mobile phone apps, he's not like using yeah. grinder and stuff, so yeah. There's a lot of people watching other people pee in yeah, this. Yeah, no. Which, 
it was almost quite old fashioned. And I guess that's the point. Like, because before, that's what would happen before, like, in before the age of like apps and stuff. If people wanted to have anonymous sex and stuff, it would be, it, you would just have to like take a chance and like give someone a look in, in the toilets or, you know, at the urinal. Mm. So that, that does happen and it still happens. It's not something that doesn't happen. But yeah, I did think, given the very small cast of this film, that the, especially the, the early scene where he, he pulls that guy in the toilet and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, you don't know the backstory there, how he met him, whether they know each other, but it, it is a bit like, oh, well, that's, that's quite fortunate. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. <laughs> he's got a more active sex life than I do. Like. <laughs> the other thing that we're not really, there's, I mean, there's loads of stuff going on in this film, but there's quite a few themes that go through it as well. Um, like there's a salt theme that sort of goes on. And I was doing salt? Look, Yeah, he adds salts. To oh yeah, meal, that's quite but, sweet when he adds all the salt to the pasta and like, and sort of the director was on about that it's adding salt to the meal but it's also enriching his life as well so as he goes on through the movie he becomes more enriched Mm. and there's also flavor yeah yeah, that's it and um about how johnny's posture at the start he's very kind of hidden and hunched over hunched over and he he grows more so it's a symbolism in growing and also um giorgio brings light into it and in the way that he changes the light bulb to make the light softer, mm. he kind of brings light into the, you know, in, into Johnny's life. So there's loads of all these really, really lovely lay- layers and themes that are running through it as well. Mm, it's beautifully shot. Were you going to say something? Yeah, if we can cut back to that scene with the dinner. <laughs> I knew you'd have thoughts on this. <laughs> it is a lot of salt. Well, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of salt. And also, he eats a lot of food from his plate. Yeah. From um, like his, his, his friend's plate and uh, he doesn't sort of pay him back with the food. Yeah. He's got less food in his plate. I don't think that was no, romantic. Not... I thought it was annoying. Yeah. First like, of all. hey, you've got your own plate. Yeah. I've I mean, not... thanks for oh, making he it. Was, he was making sure it was the right amount of salt. So he was making sure he had the right amount of salt. <laughs> no, I know what he was doing, yeah. but then like hand some pasta from, from your own plate just to sort of uh, pay back. Okay. Oh, I thought so. Was that not a... fair. I'm okay. no. No, you're never a sharer. Harry doesn't share food no. now. <laughs> <laughs> These are my jelly babies. <laughs> We've got some more. Yeah. Can uh, I talk very quickly about the end before we go to... Sure. Just a very quick... There's one of my absolute favourite scenes of this film is... So they do... They have this fight and Giorgio leaves and goes up to Scotland to work on another farm. And jo- the John... The Joshua character... The Joshua Connor character, John, tracks him down with the help of his grandma and gets on a coach. And like, there's this beautiful, beautiful scene. And again, it's not too much. It's really nice and subtle. But they have this whole conversation where he says... Oh, again, he can't really be eloquent. He can't express himself. And I've never been more kind of touched by like a line than the way he just says... I've come to get you. I got on a coach and everything. <laughs> I was like, oh, bless you. <laughs> yeah, because coaches can be terrible. They can be the worst. I mean, to be fair, yeah, I wouldn't want to get a coach. I'd have to really love someone to get a coach from like Leeds to um, Leeds to Edinburgh or Glasgow or something. Yeah. That is, yeah. Because I mean, I travel back to Manchester every other week mm. and I can get the mega bus for a pound or spend whatever I spend on the train. I just think I could save so much money, but it's the coach. Yeah, <laughs> same, same. It's the coach. Never get the coach. No. But it is a big thing because in my experience, farmers, they, they rarely travel. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've known farmers in mid Wales who have never left the valley that they were born in for their, yeah. ho- for their whole lives. And it's just phenomenal to me. I just don't get it. No. Yeah. As I say, I, I did some teaching in Wales and on uh, one of the school trips, some of the kids had never been on a coach and they, you know, went to Cardiff and they were like, oh, oh they just couldn't handle it. Mm. There was just so much stuff and yeah. things for them to think about it's a completely different uh scene that we're all used mm. to yeah. Yeah. you two living in london london or <laughs> <laughs> all the crazy stuff happening. yeah i know <laughs> london <laughs> i 
I've been recently listening to all of my podcasts and all of my music using the Studio Regent headphone, which is a premium on-ear model Bluetooth headphone, which means there's no wires, people, which did scare me. I didn't want anything else to charge up. But the battery life is 24 hours, which is amazing. And you can get your own pair of the Studio Regent at studio.com. Think Phil Collins. Su, su, studio. Um, use the offer code FLIXWATCHER and you'll get 15% off any purchase. And you get free delivery worldwide. So if you are in Timbuktu, they'll fly it over to you. Hashtag poet. Right, let's go on to the scores. This is where it gets serious. Mm. This is a unique scoring system. Okay. Um, so um, these are all out of five. Mm-hmm. If you feel the need to have a decimal place, you can. Or more. <laughs> <laughs> And we start, as always, with the recommendability. So we'll start with you, John, because this is your choice. Well, I mean, obviously I'm quite passionate about this film, so I would recommend it really highly. So I would maybe say, I really want to say a five. I think I think anyone should watch it. Yeah, I'm going to say a five. My only reservation is this, because it is a quite a slow-moving film, and it's quite, it's not for everyone. Like, not everyone's going to love this film. Like, you know, it's not, some people might just find it really boring or whatever. But I, as, as something, as a window into a life that may not be your own, whether that's in terms of as farmers or as gay people or whatever... I think it's really an important film to watch. And Yorkshire. Yeah. Yorkshire, exactly, yeah, as a, as a little Yorkshire, Yorkshire tourist board, yeah. So, yeah, I'd, give it, I'd actually give it a five. Harry? Uh, for pretty much the same reasons that John said, um, I'm going to give it a 4.2. It's weird that you gave some reason why it's not recommendable, but then you still gave it full marks. Yeah, that's, so it's, it's, yeah I'm over, yeah, I'm, I'm ignoring them. Yeah. Ah, sure. <laughs> I'm not ignoring them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Helen? Uh, I'm also going to give this a five um, because I think I just think it's a really beautiful film um, and great performances and I just think it's a really interesting portrayal of a relationship on on film mm. yeah. and, I, and I definitely think that it is on Netflix and you should definitely definitely watch it yeah I'm gonna say I'm I think based mainly on Harry's description of eating with spaghetti <laughs> <laughs> in the morning um yeah, I'm going to go four and a half, four point five. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a fantastic film. I can understand why it's people like. I mean, like Simon Renshaw was one. I always love hearing from him and seeing what kind of films he's like. Mm-hmm. I famously disagree with a lot of the things he says, but he tends to have a point. Sure. Um, so I can see why it's a lot of people's kind of favorite films they saw. Um, but there are some scenes I think which uh, wouldn't agree with the people and then would stop me recommending. Uh, but by, I don't think I've given a five recommendation to anything at all. Mm-hmm. Have you not? Maybe to I throw out fives all the time. I know you do. <laughs> reckless, reckless with your fives. But I think we have a different kind of approach to the fives. We do. I, I mean, I know there's people out here, people who will not enjoy this, yeah. but I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> they should watch it anyway. It should yeah. be like Clockwork yeah. Orange. You'd yeah. like Just pin their eyes anyway, and yeah. make them watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can stop watching it. Yeah. yeah. Um, repeat viewing score, John. Um. I well, to, and let us know if you want us to explain any of the scorings. Sure. No, I mean, there's definitely certain scenes I'd watch multiple times, but as a whole, <laughs> <laughs> as an entire film, uh, yeah, I watched it twice and enjoyed it even more the second time in many ways. So um, how, when did you watch it the first time? Shortly after it came out, okay. and then the second time was to pre- prepare for this. For it was sure. the other day. Um, I'm going to give it a three point five because okay. it, it's not, you know, it is not very action driven. It's quite a small, meandering kind of. St- film so maybe it's not the kind of thing you're going to watch all the time so yeah. but yeah it, it definitely holds up the second time yeah. I'm actually going to give it a 2.5 because I don't uh, I don't see much that I'm going to get from this watching it a second time were you 
well, I guess when you're watching the first time, you're fully into it and engaged and stuff. But no, you said it, apart, you did apart it in from, two apart from looking away, it uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because as John was saying, there's a lot of it is in the looks that they give each other. Because mm. neither neither of the main people are that eloquent. Mm. I don't think any of the cast are at least given that eloquent uh, script. Mm-hmm. So it a lot of it is in the in the scenery and, and the looks that people give you. And I think sometimes I find if I watch, I need to watch the film again, it's because I've been oblivious to some other things that. Um, are rather uns- unspoken about. I agree. I, I, I generally find that that's when you have no idea where the film's going to go. Right. Whereas this one, I had a pretty good idea of where it was going to go, and I was correct. Yeah. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and so, just I guess I picked up on the the looks and the chemistry that's happening between them because sure. I was I was expecting it. Yeah. Cool, uh, Helen. Um. So I I saw this fairly recently, so I think I'd only just seen it when you gave the choices so um i didn't watch it again that's not so that i probably wouldn't watch it again maybe in a year or so so i i guess in fairness i'm gonna do 2.5 and halfway down yeah i think i'm gonna go for 2.5 as well um no reason why i wouldn't watch again probably wouldn't be on the top of my list of things to watch again mm-hmm. um but yeah I didn't even clock how long it was which is normally a, a, a kind of yeah it's thing. nicely paced for such as like non-action heavy film yeah I don't know I'm, I'm just gonna I really like the comparison I really like the um, wait, was it before before sunrise before sunrise mm. I can't yeah. remember when it was is it before the first, the first before, sun, before sun, midnight is it before or before oh, it's before sunrise and then before sun, sunset yeah, yeah and then before yeah. midnight yeah before first, sun, because that was I think that was maybe like 85 minutes long but yeah. in terms Quite of the sure. fact that nothing nothing happens in it mm. I don't see that nothing happening is a reason why a film should be long or short. But if you're just driven by what's going on in the conversations and the looks and the, the change in scenery and everything, I think that's um, fantastic. I think that that is, I think that's probably, that for me is probably the, the high watermark now, actually thinking of, of romantic films or, mm-hmm. or films where people become entwined with each other. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I, for me, I'm like, I want to watch that again more often, but I don't, that, I don't really get that for, for this one. Sure. Um, yeah, I like that. Thanks for. I have been, I've been really. I've been seriously racking my brain for something like that that's kind of hit me. Well, I'm glad I fixed that for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Here to fix me. Um, <laughs> right, small screen score. Um, so I I actually didn't see this in the cinema, and I wish I had. Okay. Um, because I think I think it is because it is a small film. I think you can absolutely watch it on TV and get most of what you're going to get out of it. I don't think you necessarily need to see it on the big screen. That being said, I do feel like there's films like this, and I felt the same way about Moonlight, actually. When you do see these films that are, are quite small and intimate, mm. I feel like sometimes seeing them on the big screen can help you to really engage. Because if you're in a cinema, obviously, unless you're a monster, you're not looking at your phone, you're not talking, you're not eating particularly. Well, ways, unless you're, unless a you're one of those monsters, yeah. But, you know, you, you really, <laughs> I really appreciated Moonlight because I watched it in the cinema and I was completely focused on the film. Yeah. And I think if I watched Moonlight on TV, on a TV screen, I might not have connect with it in quite the same way this i did see on the small screen so and i did really connect with it very strongly so i can only give it a i guess a 4.5 but i would say that if you can see it in the cinema then do you know if it's showing at a festival or something is it worth comparing directly moonlight call me by your name and this uh, as three recent independent films where it's a gay story but i mean this i don't know because moonlight for me was like it was it was a story of love but set in the scene of uh, deprivation in the in the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, Call me by your name. 
perhaps just didn't resonate with me because I didn't buy into any of the characters. I didn't buy into yeah. the characters that much apart from Michael Stolberg, who I think is phenomenal. Oh, he was great, yeah. That last scene. And I like, yeah. I thought Elio was great. I think all the characters were great, but it just didn't no. really connect with me in the no, same way. same. Um, but I think, like you said, I saw Moonlight in the cinema, I was blown away by it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, but and I think you're right in this one. I think it's it seems to transcend that. And I think if I'd seen Moonlight on the small screen, I don't think I would have liked it as much as I like this. Sure, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting... Um, yeah. I, well, I, I think, think Moonlight, it's just a yeah. ramble for me. That, I no, I know what you mean. I think Moonlight's <laughs> more visual in many ways. Yeah. I mean, apart from this has amazing scenery, but it's quite a stand. It, it's shot like it, it could be a TV movie. Mm. Whereas Moonlight, even though it was made on a very low budget, the visuals are so important to that mm. film. And I think it does lose something if you're just watching that in like a living room compared to like really drinking it. And it's very, it's, it's very more quote unquote artistic you know yeah. this is quite a straightforward story whereas Moonlight is shot yeah, shot yeah really it, well. it's quite yeah it's, it's kind of an almost an art house film so you, I think those films definitely do benefit from a big screen experience yeah uh, small screen score for you Harry four four any comments to that just to... nah Trump's covered it <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helen <laughs> yeah pretty much the same um, four I would have liked to have seen this at the cinema and I kind of agree what he said about Moonlight as well mm. with the same kind of feelings but you know it's it's you know make your TV bigger <laughs> a big TV <laughs> if, if, if you're worrying about that um, but yeah definitely it works on the small screen yeah there's, absolutely you know, yeah. there's no problem with it but the landscapes of Yorkshire probably look really nice on the big mm. screen because it does really it's a lovely showcase for the area how much do you think of it is it if it's been like familiarity because I didn't, I didn't drink in the landscape as much, mm-hmm. maybe because I just thought, yeah, that's yeah, that could be. I, I know where that kind of place is in Manchester and Lancashire and stuff like that. Whereas Moonlight or Call Me by Your Name is a lot of it is about the scenery. A lot oh, of yeah. it is about the the place where I wouldn't normally hang out or be. And sure, yeah, I guess because yeah, I mean, Call Me by Your Name was just Italy porn. Like that was one of the things <laughs> I did enjoy about it. It was just you know. I really want to go to there, but um, <laughs> that was, I, you know, I guess for me, I'm, I'm quite an avid walker. I spend a lot of time in the countryside. Sure. So it was, it was definitely familiarity. It was like, oh, I've, like I said, I've done that walk. I know that, I know that rock, like, you know, that they're currently having sex on. But um, <laughs> it was, but also it was like, it was nice to see it in a, because you don't see, the, not a lot of films are shot where I am. Like even the pub, I'm mm. pretty sure that pub was a pub in Otley that I've drank, I've drunk in. So it was, it was kind of novelty. I was really always focused on the scenery because I was really looking out for, do I recognise this? And most of the time I did. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit more engaged with the visuals than maybe the film merits. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it 4.8. I'm not sure 4. what it would have taken. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what it would have taken away. It, to me, it reminded me of All Creatures Great and Small, mm-hmm. um, which I loved on a very t- small screen when I was yeah. a kid growing up. So mm-hmm. This is a really good rating system, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You should steal this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. It is patent pendants. You'd have to pay us a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe not then. <laughs> Um, engagement score, John? Five. I found it really engaging. For, again, for something that doesn't have a huge amount of plot. Like, I, there, was, there was no point when I was checked out or bored. I was really, I thought every single character. And I really think that, that we haven't talked enough about how good the, the, the parents, the, the grandmother and the father are. They, they, yeah. In the smaller roles, they are, they communicate so much with so little. Mm. And I thought, actually, I was really surprised when the end, until the end credits came, I didn't realise that it was Gemma Jones. I spent the whole film thinking, oh, wow, this actress must, I guess, is just a local lady. What a find. She's fantastic. And then it's Gemma Jones, who's best known for playing Bridget Jones's mum in the Bridget Jones's Diary movies. Okay. Such oh. a different character. Wow. I was like, my God, yeah. So no, them, them actors. Them actors. <laughs> yeah. She's she, she, she amazing. People. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I was fully engaged. Five, yeah. Harry? Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.8. Spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
actually, yes, that's probably it. <laughs> there should be like a warning on the DVD cover. Do not eat with spaghetti. Do not watch with spaghetti. <laughs> it's just spaghetti. Mm. Yeah. Just spaghetti. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five. I was completely engaged in it. So much engaged that I didn't even have to check how long the runtime was or anything. You didn't check anyone else in the in the film? Not, not no until IMDb afterwards. Being. No. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe 4.75. Oh, wow. It's very specific. Or yes. random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's good. It, I, I think, like you say, because there's so much kind of unspoken, mm-hmm. it's not as uh, Rich Linklatery with the with the dialogue. Yeah. You have to be looking at... Because I think the first the first um, guy he meets in the, in the auction house... I rewound it again to see, like, was there something that I missed in terms of did they know each other before? Or was because all it was is he was eating his breakfast, uh, which made me a bit hungry. <laughs> and then the, kind of the guy, the guy behind him, who wasn't facing the same direction of him, it was like he yeah. sensed a disturbance yeah, in the force. Yeah, there's a like, gay in the room. It was, it was like hmm, there's someone. Gaydar is tingling. Me out. And then next thing you know, they're in the in the toilet together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought have I missed something? And then after that, I just mm. had the. Laser focus on bit what? Yeah. Laser focus, Jurassic World, Fallen yeah. Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll you'll see it, Helen. You'll think why. Um, okay, so that gives us an overall score of four point one five. It's very strong. Yeah, mm. good score. Anything over four is 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 fantastic. It's like a logarithmic scale, mm-hmm. so it's harder to get in the higher. But yeah, have you put th- all these films on a graph yet? <laughs> Not on a graph, but they are on our website as a one one big scoring thing, which you can Lovely. sort by. Um, by rating but you could Great. turn this into a chart pretty quickly could you <laughs> with excel you could do but i'm not gonna do it do it in letterboxd or something yeah <laughs> yeah we mm-hmm. could do secret i mean also anything that everyone kind of gives for and above for recommendability is really strong as yeah. well i think what what's quite interesting is because we are, we are because we are focused on netflix we have to obviously appreciate the fact that people tend to be watching on a small screen and also that repeat viewing score tends to um die from a few scores mm-hmm. for films which would otherwise be strong and typically like documentaries which are really good and really powerful mm-hmm. people you don't tend to watch documentaries that often so repeat viewing score kind of falls by the wayside in those mm-hmm. uh, longer films suffer with they repeat do. viewing score um, and also films where if you wish you'd seen on cinema kind of make it suffer so there's a few things against it so but yeah for anything over four is a good Good very score. good. Cool. Well thanks. done, brother. Yeah, oh, thanks, I'm, I'm very proud of myself. Choice. Yeah, feeling very smug right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, let us know where we can find you online on Twitter and tell, uh, yeah, let people they can find you. Sure. So we are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. And our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, you name it, we're on it. And if we're not on it, we should be. So let us know. Uh, you can reach us on social media we're on facebook just search beyond the box set or twitter at beyond the box set and instagram again just search beyond the box set and yeah just come listen to us give us a review if you like us and uh, enjoy the show we have a, it's a, it's a very much a light-hearted look at you know films and sequels it's all most about mostly about focus on fun and then you know just having a little bit, a bit of a laugh about these films so it's a good easy breezy film podcast I think. And if you're a fan of uh, Flix Watcher, which you probably are if you're this far into an episode, <laughs> um, well, they're on one of our episodes now. Or will yeah. be soon, yeah, depending on when this goes out. Yeah. I guess. I think we'll be out 
your episode will be out by the time this is released. So great episode was it seventy? Se- uh, yeah, episode seventy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three kings. Three kings. Mm-hmm. We yeah, Helen and I talk about three kings on Beyond the Box Set. So if you made it this far, switch over mm-hmm. to Beyond the Box Set. And listen it, to us again. Yeah, listen yeah. to us again because <laughs> yeah, you, you love our voices. You can't get enough. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find all of the episodes on our website, flixwatcher.tv. Want to give us your five-star review? Follow us at flixwatcherpod on Twitter. Big shout out to our editor, Brendan Russell, for all his awesome editing skills. And thanks as always to the mighty people for their tunes.